Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There seems to be one question on the mind of Georgia fans here right now, and as you might imagine, Kirby Smart is in no big hurry to try to answer it. Obviously, all eyes kind of pointing to the game on Saturday between Georgia and Ohio State, and there's a million different angles for how this game's going to be determined, whether or not that Georgia can you know, win this, stay on pace to go for two and 22, and one of those right now kind of relates to the injury situation. Warren McClendon, your start at right tackle. Lad McConkey, one of your most important wide receivers. These are guys that left the SEC championship game with injury, and when Kirby Smart spoke a couple of weeks ago, he was asked the question about McConkey and McClendon and he didn't have a whole lot of specifics to offer at the time they had not been practicing yet we were told that and that's one of those things that maybe kind of fills you with angst a little bit if you're a Georgia fan and yet now you fast forward to game week all of a sudden now it's time to get serious about what your game plan is who your personnel available are and get ready for this game against Ohio State so with that in mind when Georgia arrived in Atlanta yesterday to begin its bowl week festivities and its game preparations for Ohio State the first question out of the box for Kirby Smart in his introductory press conference to begin this Peach Bowl week related to Lad McConkey and Warren McClendon. And Kirby Smart may have set a record for about the shortest possible answer you can give to a question like this. Let me let you hear Kirby responding to a direct question with a little bit of an evasive answer. This is Kirby on that topic. Yeah, Kirby, just want to ask uh, at this point in the week what the availability looks like for Lad and Warren. Yeah, we're excited to get those guys uh, hopefully back, and um, we'll see how they do this week. So we're excited to get those guys hopefully back, and we'll see how they do this week. I don't know that you can read much into that one way or another. I think it's kind of designed to be that way. On the one hand, he's excited and hopeful. Does that mean that the news is good? But on the other hand is he's looking to see how they do this week, which means has he not seen enough from them yet to have any kind of indication one way or another? That is literally, I would say, a phrase kind of designed to be able to be interpreted on either side of that. Kirby trying to kind of play sort of coy with all this, as you might imagine a coach would want to do. That's obviously his prerogative to do that. But here's the one thing you got to know is that this week is unlike most weeks for Georgia and frankly for Ohio State. Bowl games are just far more public than most other college football games are. We're going to hear more from Kirby on this topic a little bit later on about how different a week like this is. And because of the world we've been living in the last couple of years, you know, kind of coming out of, coming away from the coronavirus pandemic, it's been a long time since a bowl week has felt like a true bowl week used to feel. Even last year's college football playoff, when Georgia went down to Miami to play the Orange Bowl, a lot of the public events that are supposed to take place by public, I mean, I don't really mean open to the the general public. I mean, a lot of the events that are taking place that the media is invited to attend, a lot of that stuff last year against Michigan ended up being canceled because we were kind of in the middle of whatever variant thing that was going on at the, at the time. I don't even remember at this point in time. But a lot of even last year, some of that kind of stuff where the media would have been able a chance to sort of be witnessing practice and spotting players and kind of interacting kind of a public, you know, in-person way. I keep saying public. I mean to say in-person. Kind of an in-person way with the Georgia players. A lot of that didn't happen. So this year in 2022, uh, you've got a little bit more of what the bowl world used to be. So it is very hard to keep certain things a secret if that's what you want to keep. 
you're just going to see players spotted more frequently. You're going to hear from more players in kind of a press conference type setting than you typically do. And so whatever the status of like McClendon and McConkey is for the game on Saturday, I, I would say that this week, Georgia fans may have more access to actually learn information about that than they typically might in a regular situation. I'll give you an example of this. And if you're not watching on video, my apology here, you're not going to be able to see this, but I'm going to describe this to you. And if you want to check out, we'll have this in like the Dog Nation YouTube page and things like that. You can see what I'm about to show you. So you have these like bowl events that take place. These are like the, sort of the team bonding events. They're kind of chamber of commerce style events. And every bowl has them. They're sort of designed to make the host city look good, fun type stuff. So yesterday, there was one of these at the uh, at the College Football Hall of Fame. We'll show some of this to you later on in the show as just kind of a way of saying, here's what Georgia's been up to. But when Georgia arrives for this event last night at the CFB Hall, they are getting off the buses the same way they do before football games, anything like that. And a couple of folks had kind of spotted this. In fact, we've already had some people in our comment section already talking about this this morning. Let's show this short video here. So these are the buses arriving in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame for for this uh, event. And as you see folks getting off here, one of the things you're going to spot here in a moment is going to be Georgia wide receiver Lad McConkey. Now, it's very, very short, and you can't quite see from, like, say, the waist down. So it's a little bit difficult to tell, you know, exactly how nimbly he's walking. But the sense that I get, there's uh, folks getting off. McConkey is going to get off here in uh, just a moment. We are absolutely kind of doing the Pruder style breakdown of a couple of seconds of a player walking. Uh, but nonetheless, you're going to see this here coming up in a moment it starts right now here is McConkey coming down the stairs seems to be walking just fine does not seem to be wincing as he's stepping uh there you go that's we've now frozen the frame on Ladd McConkey, and you see him walking uh, Tate Ratledge getting off the bus right after him but Ladd McConkey just walked by and the best that I could tell seemed to be walking fine now it is my, not my intention to report. That means that Land McConkey is fully healthy and a uh, full go for the uh, Peach Bowl on Saturday. <laughs> that would be a dumb thing even for me to try to do. But the point is, is that this is bowl week. And so the idea that the only thing we're going to have to judge the health of players like Warren McClendon or Land McConkey are the words of Kirby Smart. This is one of those weeks that's not, just not quite the case. There are going to be a couple of 15-minute viewing periods for the media to watch practice. And obviously the teams themselves don't like that. Georgia and Ohio State, I'm sure they don't. But this is just kind of thing that the bowl does. And the benefit to the fan is you're just going to have more information, more information about Georgia, more information about Ohio State, more information going into a big game like this than you typically would get. So bottom line here is, is that Kirby Smart gave the kind of answer on Ladd McConkey and Warren McClendon you would typically expect to get which is we'll kind of see how it goes this week. And frankly, that's probably the honest answer, that that there probably are some determinations still to be made about how healthy either one of these dudes is uh, for the game coming up on Saturday. But just for fun, we did spot McConkey here yesterday, and we wanted to show some of that to you. And so we'll kind of see how that plays out. Now, to shift gears and talk about something completely different for a moment, I thought that ESPN had a very interesting story uh, I read it this morning. I guess it must have popped up yesterday afternoon, last night, something like that, where the the headline is, and is written by Mark Schlebaugh and Alex Scarborough, how Kirby Smart built Georgia into another Alabama. And like one of the, I, I guess the big lines from the story was basically, you know, you're looking at Kirby Smart trying to build Georgia into a dynasty much the same way that Alabama has kind of been a dynasty in college football. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, this story is very much worth your time. It's actually kind of an interesting look. It's long. It's very, very long. 
but it kind of starts with Kirby helping Alabama win the 2015 national championship and then making the transition over to Georgia. Greg McGarity's quoted in here. Uh, Jeb Blazevich, former Georgia tight end, is quoted in here. You know, you have a lot of voices. Obviously, Kirby Smart's not going to give you very much, if anything at all. I don't believe he was directly quoted in any of this. But but it's kind of a long look at how Georgia got from Kirby being hired to where Georgia is here right now. Now, there is an element of this that feels like a lot of rat poison, right? It's like, ah, Georgia's the next Alabama. Well, can Georgia actually win this second national championship before people do that? Uh, Stetson Bennett did an interview on ESPN television where, you know, some of the same kind of stuff is sort of talked about about how great, you know, Georgia has a chance to be. And I thought Stetson gave a really good answer to this where he said, hey, we'll talk about the history when all this is said and done. That the historic question is a is a relevant question of, you know, what would it mean to win this second national championship? But we're actually going to be more comfortable addressing that after it happens, which I think is a really good answer by Stetson. He and Kirby both were on SportsCenter, I guess, yesterday. But here's what I'm going to tell you. For as irritating as some of this kind of is, especially for those who are really on guard against rat poison, which has never been that big of a deal for me, but for some people who are like really on guard against that, that sort of feels like, oh, just too much rat poison for me, SPN. And even for someone like me, who generally speaking doesn't really care about the rat poison stuff, it does sort of feel like a major about face. Like before the season began, I couldn't find anybody among the national media to give Georgia a fair shake at all. The national media at the time was in love with teams like Ohio State. Ohio State was ranked ahead of Georgia on the the basis of every single one of these official polls and unofficial polls and you know riders with any kind of national following whatsoever it was unanimously assumed that ohio state was going to be better than georgia now all of a sudden we've gotten to the game 13 and 0 georgia against 12 and 1 ohio state and there's this huge about face where everyone's completely changed their mind but no one really offers an explanation for why they've changed their mind which i think is you know kind of interesting uh so even for someone like me who doesn't really care about the rat poison stuff there's an element of of stories like this dropping right before the game that even feel a little bit irritating for somebody like me. But I was thinking just before our show began today, and the thought that came to my mind was, is that I do believe it's appropriate to cast the right narrative before a game like this, to sort of establish the storyline that is going in place. And we talked about this yesterday, that Georgia for a long time has been the team trying to topple a dynasty. That's really been the story since Kirby Smart's been here. And, and frankly, it was kind of the story for Mark Richt for the sort of the final years of his time at Georgia there, too, that Alabama had built itself up into a behemoth and Georgia wasn't going to be everything it could be until it toppled Alabama. And you know how long and arduous that journey kind of turned out to be. And then finally it culminated in the national championship win last year. But as we said on yesterday's show, now the storyline is different. Alabama's nowhere to be found. The, the dynasty, at least for the moment, truly has been toppled. It really is a case now where Georgia's trying to build itself into a dynasty. Whether we want to call it you know, the next Alabama or just the, the, the new Georgia, however you want to define it, that is what this is. That, that empires have been toppled and now Georgia has a chance to become an empire. And obviously it's not appropriate to celebrate the idea of that until it actually takes place, if it does indeed take place. That's what Go for Two in 22 is all about. But it's pretty obvious that that's what Georgia's playing for. In other words, this isn't just another chance at winning a national championship. This isn't just another season. This is the kind of thing that could change the way people perceive Georgia, maybe even forever. Change the way that people look at the players in this team. Change the way that people look at the coaches on this team. This is one of those things that would have the opportunity to rewrite history for the Georgia Bulldogs. So it's a little bit weird to see an outlet like ESPN showing so much love for the dogs. But it's also, I guess, somewhat understandable as a way of making the average person not connect to one of these two teams to understand the true stakes for the Peach Bowl, that Georgia's trying to win a second straight national championship. 
and by doing so would put itself into the kind of rare category that most teams in college football can never dream of being in. The challenge is a significant one. Ohio State's a good team, and whatever happens after that is not guaranteed either. But the opportunity at true historic greatness does stand in front of these dogs. So it's one of the reasons why this game and this week has such a big feel to it. The stakes are high for Georgia. They have a national championship in hand, but the players and coaches on this roster will tell you they are still hungry for more. And who are we to say they won't go out and get it done all over again? My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Good to have you with us, no matter how. You get to us today live on video, uh, 9.45 for our first in 15 at dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. Then 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, those are all our video platforms. And, of course, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960. The Ref, great to be back with our radio friends here today. And, of course, podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all kinds of podcast platforms. We're happy to have you with us there as well. We try to make this show available on as many different kind of platforms as we can. And we're just so thankful that so many of you have found a way to find us. So really, really appreciate all of that. Of course, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. I wouldn't be able to communicate with you each and every day, if not for great sponsors. And among the best are our friends at Engineered Solutions Georgia. They've been with us for a long time. I am so proud of our partnership and I love what they do for you there as well because let's face it a lot of you and listen i don't make a lot of this but it is true a lot of you are becoming acquainted with one of the things that engineered solutions of georgia can do for you you've got water now where it's not really supposed to be because of whatever else kind of happened there that's kind of brought that into your garage crawl space whatever else the the events of the last few days can certainly bring about more of that and so if that's what you're dealing with it is time to get acquainted with engineered solutions of georgia because the word solution is right there in their name they are a problem solving company if you've got cracks in your walls maybe a sign of a foundation issue or water creeping in where it's not supposed to be or wet spots to kind of show you that water did creep in at some point in time where it's not supposed to be that smell oh that sort of what is it must kind of musty smell Listen, you know that's not a good thing. It kind of affects your breathing and all that kind of stuff. Well, that is where our friends in Engineered Solutions of Georgia want to do great work for you because you're talking about the structural integrity of your home. That's the kind of thing I have no idea how to fix that or, or what's appropriate. But the folks at ESOG do because they have an entire team of engineers on staff to help you. There's nobody else in our market that can say they have that kind of resources devoted to your problem the way that our friends in Engineered Solutions of Georgia do. But they can provide that for you. So it is time for you to give them a call. Reach out 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now. That will get you in touch with our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're proud partners of UGA. It's fun to do business with those that support the dogs. Engineered Solutions of Georgia does. And they have been longtime friends of ours here at uh, Dog Nation there as well. Big, big sponsor of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. So genuinely, sincerely, I thank you for your support of the great work that Engineered Solutions of Georgia does. And I can promise you, they will take great care of you. If you see those cracks in your walls or if you see that water creeping in, foundation waterproofing issues, you can trust Engineered Solutions of Georgia to help you out with all of that. All right, so we're going to talk to Connor Riley here in a moment. And when we talk to Connor, one of the things we're going to discuss with him is what is ongoing in downtown Atlanta right now as Georgia defensive players and defensive coaches are discussing the matchup coming up against Ohio State. So we'll kind of get an in-the-moment live reaction with Connor here in a bit. We'll hear from former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm before we're done on today's show. Obviously, Jake's got the experience of having been in the college football playoff uh, with Georgia going back to the first time the Dogs made their appearance there in 2017. So he's a great voice to have on today's show. But before that, though, let's go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. 
And I want to hear a little bit more from some of the stuff that Kirby Smart said as Georgia arrived in Atlanta yesterday. Ohio State came in on Sunday, Georgia coming in on Monday. This is where like the home field advantage thing kind of benefits you a little bit is Georgia was able to squeeze in one more practice in Athens, which Kirby would just prefer, squeeze in one more practice in Athens before coming over to Atlanta yesterday. So Buckeyes got here Sunday, Georgia got here you know, yesterday afternoon, and Kirby was talking about some of the issues you know, as it relates to the, the opponent, but also just kind of the bold environment there as well. I told you a moment ago that because so much of this kind of happens out in the open, you're going to College Ball Hall of Fame, you're doing these kinds of things, you got cameras following you everywhere you go, but this is a little bit less private a little bit less behind closed doors than georgia typically would like for things to be and for such a business serious oriented program like georgia there is an element of the bowl game that can't be just a business trip there are some other stuff kind of baked into all this there as well and what does that mean for a team like georgia well kirby smart answered some of that yesterday let's hear kirby on that topic right now well i think it's part of the bowl process and this 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 you know the merger is unique between cfp the playoff games and the bowl games because the bowl games have their traditions have their beliefs have their sponsors and uh those traditions are very important to the bowls i mean any of the playoff games uh that you can play in even when they're rotating they have bowl traditions I, I went to those bowl games as a coach or a player a long time ago and they started those traditions so their traditions are important to them um the playoff and the the, the meaning of the game is important to them too but you have to balance the two. You know, you got to make sure your players understand this is my off time, and they have activities that are scheduled. But we also are here for a purpose, and, and the, it's a business trip. You know, it's not a uh, just a, a joy trip. And the balance of those two is important. So I, I, I look forward to the activities. You know, we had them last year at the Orange Bowl. Um, it's important to get your mind off of the game at times, and those those activities allow you to do that. So I have to admit, I find all this to be really fascinating because I'm kind of, in some respects, kind of an old school guy. And I do like the fact that the traditional bowl stuff, you know, the teams getting together to kind of share the meal and have like the contests and all this kind of the stuff that goes on. There's a part of me that likes this still goes on because it is so different than so much of the rest of the college football you know, calendar where everything is so hard driving. Even the players themselves kind of get into their routine. They almost kind of prefer to stay into that. The fact that they do kind of find a way during bowl week to let their hair down a little bit and be a little more relaxed and kind of find a way to mix in some fun with the rest of the stuff if you get to the national championship game there is none of this you know the national championship game is not a traditional bowl it's a completely separate entity so there aren't the kind of shared meals and the kind of uh made for tv public appearances the chamber of commerce type of stuff by the time you get to the national championship you don't have any of that but you do have that peach bowl fiesta bowl rose bowl last year being the orange bowl you do have some of that with that and so it's really interesting to watch a team like georgia who is so serious so much of the time kind of navigate that but there's also a part of me that's sort of glad the players kind of get something out of this the chance to have some fun and 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 just kind of be a little more relaxed and kind of hopefully make some memories they can take with them i, I do sort of like it sort of stays that way even if the whole thing just feels very different than what the rest of the college football calendar sort of feels like also more from kirby yesterday you know i talked yes uh on our show yesterday about if we assume that the odds makers are correct here and odds makers sometimes are right sometimes they're wrong obviously they're wrong too much they wouldn't be odds makers anymore so they have to have a pretty good betting average 
So let's just say for the sake of conversation, the odds makers are right. And Georgia is heading for a one touchdown victory, the kind of thing that feels close and narrow, the kind of game in which a mistake could be magnified. The opportunity to make a big play could greatly ensure your chances of winning. We said on yesterday's show was in a game like that, your trusted proven playmakers, the guys who've done these sort of big things for you before, those are guys that you might have to lean on more heavily in a game like this, that Georgia just hasn't played a lot of close games in recent years. And the the idea of a close game is so much different than the idea of a blowout where you just kind of lean on a team, your margin, the fact that you're better across the board, your depth, the fact that you've got all that going for you is the kind of thing that just sort of overwhelms your opponent. But if you kind of find an opponent that's not overwhelmed, if you kind of find an opponent that creates sort of a fair fight where it's I don't want to say necessarily even, but it's certainly a fair enough fight where both teams are able to throw their blows and take some punches. If you've got that situation, then then who are the guys that can step up and make a big play for you when it really matters? Well, in one of the only close games George has played the last couple of years, you think back to Christopher Smith in the game against Clemson going back to start the 2021 season. Pick six, interception for a touchdown. That was the difference in that ball game. And if Georgia is once again in a close game again on Saturday, this is one of the guys you may have to lean on, you may have to trust. And Kirby Smart talked about the value, what Chris Smith brings to the table when he met with the reporters yesterday. Here's Kirby again. Yeah, really proud of Chris and his growth. He came in as a, a, a really astute, um, tough, competitive uh fiery um, um just competitor and he's grown into this incredible leader uh, i think through his passion and his competitiveness he hates losing at anything um he dislikes uh uh underperforming and I, you know it's he's one of those guys when you give stats in practice he, he he calls you out if he thinks they're wrong so uh he's really prideful about things but he's he's a product of our development and he came in and, and has really blossomed into a really good uh, safety prospect at the next level and just proud of the work he's done. I mean, he's, a, he's a great example of if you stick around and grow in this system, um, you can be really good. And a lot of his, his buddies and friends left and moved on, and he stuck around, and um, it's, pro- it's proven to be uh, worth it, just like Devontae and Jordan did. I'll be really candid here for a moment. I consider myself as big a fan of Christopher Smith as almost anybody could be. I got to know Chris a little bit when he was a recruit, and so therefore I've always been a fan of his. And yet even as a fan of Chris Smith, I sort of feel like I have discounted him over and over and over again. And, you know, it's one of those things where if you're Smith, you know, Kirby talks about his competitive fire and how that kind of, you know, propels him. And he also obviously, you know, rightly so, talks about the way in which George has developed him. And all that's really true. And yet – at different points in time, I think I've just sort of discounted what Smith would be able to do in, in college. I mean, he's not the biggest guy. We would admit that. And when he came at Georgia, I, I, I don't know that I had him penciled in as a, as a future starter. And I say that as somebody who like really liked Smith and was really glad he was coming to UGA. But it's not like I was looking at Smith saying, man, this guy's going to be the one, one – one day he's going to be the linchpin of the defense that's going to go in and win a national championship. He's going he's to be the, the cornerstone of all that. I'm, I'm not quite so sure I would have said it that way. And yet even as somebody who really likes Smith, I'm as guilty as anybody of, of completely and totally discounting him. And lo and behold, I go back and do the same thing again because, as Kirby said, a lot of the guys that Chris was running with last year, they're all gone. And so when you looked in the absence of those guys, well, who can be the version of of what those guys were, whether it be position different, whatever else, who can be the face of a defense, the avatar for a defense, the same way that those five first round picks and the Kobe Dean were a a year ago. And once again, 
I don't know that I fully appreciated how effective Chris Smith would be at becoming the 2022 version of what those guys provided in 2021. I just don't know that I fully understood just how special of a player he had a chance to be. And I'm a fan of his. And even I discounted him. Imagine how much others have discounted him over the course of time there as well, because every step of the way, beginning of 2021, all throughout 2022, uh, every step of the way, he has proven himself to be quite the important piece for Georgia. And it is an example of how well Georgia has developed its talent. And frankly, on a day like this, Georgia's going to need him because he's had a penchant for making big plays before. Obviously, the SEC championship is an example of that there, too, when he uh, you know, picked up the, the football and ran it back for a touchdown. He just sort of seems to be in the right place at the right time, and he kind of seems to know what to do when the spotlight is on him. And I truly believe that Georgia's going to need him on Saturday. So good stuff there from Kirby on that. And another chance for Chris Smith to remind the world uh, of, of just how, how important and how, how successful a football career he really is in the midst of uh, having. Also, a couple of other logistical issues going to deal with here for a moment. The fact that Georgia has the benefit of playing this game in Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. How valuable is that for Georgia? When Kirby Smart explains that, he kind of talks more about some of the more process-oriented things, as I said, logistics-minded things. This is Kirby on the valuable uh, the, the value of being back at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the third time here this year. Here's Kirby. Uh, probably that you know where the scoreboard, the clocks, and all the different stuff is is the biggest thing. The field's the same. You know, there's not a lot of difference in terms of uh, the the diameter and the width of the field, um, but I, I think it's more about familiarity of, of the quarterback knowing the shot clock and the ribbons and the different things. The the biggest difference is you know both teams will get to practice in there, so they'll they'll be familiar with it by the time the game starts. I do think that's true, and when we see, you know, you'll see some practice video coming out this week. You'll see those practices taking place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's interesting to note that when Georgia was here for the national championship in 2017, once again, not being a bowl week, give a little bit more freedom. Georgia went back to Athens to practice back then, but obviously because of the bowl week and because of the responsibilities you have to have this week, they're going to stay in Atlanta and have those practices right there. And I would say there's obviously more to being in Atlanta than just knowing where the scoreboard is, although I don't necessarily discount that kind of stuff as mattering. John Stinchcomb talked to us yesterday, but the fact that he thinks, yeah, there really is a little bit of a comfort factor that is raised when you're back in the place for the, for the third time this year. I mean, Kyrus Jackson said yesterday he's played in the SEC championship four times. I mean, these guys, one of our uh, video commenters said, if you look at the sort of fifth-year seniors for Georgia, they played, I think he said, eight times uh, already at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's a st- This is a venue that Georgia is very, very comfortable in, and I would say it goes beyond just some of the stuff that Kirby said there. It's not enough to necessarily guarantee victory in the game, but pretty clearly you would much rather be doing this than traveling way out to Arizona a long way from home in a stadium you haven't played in pretty clearly there is something to be said that Georgia gains from being here especially knowing that Ohio State really kind of hasn't been in that spot before and then one more off from Kirby speaking of the Buckeyes as we said and this is one of those things that admittedly makes me just a, a little nervous here that Ohio State is in the position that Georgia was in last year coming into the game off a loss with the entire world asking tough questions about him and saying bad things about him uh, doubters to be silenced last year Georgia was able to do that is Ohio State going to be able to do that this year coming off the Michigan loss Kirby Smart talking about the potential value of the extra motivation that comes from having to circle the wagons and regroup after losing a game like the way the Buckeyes did to the Wolverines this is also Kirby from that uh, on yesterday yeah it recentered things I think it, you recalibrate and you, you look back and um, sometimes the reality of your weaknesses pop up 
um, a lot more in a loss. We like to say, why do you got to lose to, to, to learn? Um, you shouldn't have to do that, but it certainly is a wake-up call on teams I've been been with that, that it, you know, it recentered everybody and refocused everybody. But obviously, we, we've tried to do that w- without that. And um, sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's just one of those things. I'm not sure how much better you really do play off a loss. Maybe you do. I think there's some reasons to understand why you would. But what I think is actually probably more true is is that the perception of the team playing so much better off of a loss is probably heightened because I do think the biggest thing that happens to you after you lose a game is you are just excessively undervalued. Georgia was coming off the Alabama game a year ago. Ohio State, I believe, is coming off the Michigan game here right now. To me, it's not so much that the loss is a great springboard for uh, for you as it is is that the loss clouds the judgment of fans who've been watching teams play all year long or media types who've been watching the teams play all year long. But recency bias is just a, a, a very real thing. And right now, the recency bias that you would kind of view Ohio State through would say, hey, they're not very good because they just lost to Michigan. You know, uh, to take nothing into account of the 12 games they won prior to that and the many, many games the program they've been winning here during the college football playoff era. So I, I don't know that any of this necessarily points to the direction this game is going. And obviously, all of this opens the door for not just analysis, but over analysis. We'll probably be guilty of doing some of that ourselves here this week, but there's plenty of storylines. Georgia playing in its home state, Ohio State playing with revenge on its mind after being embarrassed against their hated rival. In a lot of different ways, going to chop all this up in between now and kickoff on Saturday night. You better believe we'll do each and everything we can to certainly get into every one of those storylines. But for now, we'll say that's around the doghouse presented by Georgia's own credit union. And of course, this time of year, you're traveling, you're buying gifts, you're doing all those great things. And let me tell you this, the stuff that you're already doing, that experience can be made more enjoyable when you make those purchases using one of the Visa Signature and Platinum cards that our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union are all about. Because when you use one of these cards, you're going to get some great benefits just for for using the card, just for doing that stuff. I'm talking about some flex rewards that can be used for just about anything, like gift cards or cash back or travel, merchandise. You can also earn up to $150 just for opening a new platinum or signature card. And there are some restrictions that apply on this. So make sure you check out georgiasown.org for more details. That's georgiasown.org for more details on that. All right, we are going to hear from former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm before we're done. We'll talk to him about a lot of different things as it relates to this matchup. But for now, on what just happened, as I've been speaking, Georgia coaches and players have been talking too. So the latest from downtown Atlanta, right ahead of the Peach Bowl on Saturday. Let's talk to Connor Riley about all that right now on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We'll bring in Connor Riley here in downtown Atlanta, setting the stage for what's going on. Ohio State offensive coordinator Kevin Wilson, some Buckeyes players this morning, a couple of minutes ago, uh, Georgia defensive uh, coordinator, I don't know if that was Will Muschamp, I'm assuming maybe it was, and some Georgia players. Connor, what have you heard from the dogs so far here today? Yeah, no, we got the chance to talk to both Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann okay. today, Chris Smith, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, a bunch of key names and faces for this team. They're excited. Uh, I think maybe the, the LSU game is, I think, very clearly being overblown a good bit by what, what we saw in that game. I know a lot of people bring up the 502 yards, 30 points, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you can kind of tell Georgia's ready to put that behind them. You've heard a lot of talk about just getting back to the fundamentals. I mean, the reality is that game was 35-7 to at one point, and I think Georgia very clearly changed up the way that they were playing. 
uh, to, you know, sort of just get out of there without any further injuries, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So naturally a lot being made of that. We heard from Ohio State players as well. I think similarly they're ready to stop talking about the Michigan game. It was over a month ago, and they're ready to put their best forward and go out there and show what they can do against a very physical Georgia team. Yeah, whether you kind of buy into like the whole idea of rat poison, I think you and I both have said we're sort of tired of that as a, as a talking point. But there is probably a notion for some Georgia fans, however you want to describe it, that the idea that Georgia having to answer tough questions about a bad defensive game against LSU probably makes them feel more comfortable because if it wasn't for that, everything would be about how Ohio State's not you know good enough to be here because they lost to Michigan. Georgia's the next Alabama because that's what ESPN.com is writing. That there's probably a little bit of a level of comfort for some Georgia fans that there are actually some tough questions being asked of UGA. The fact that Georgia is being treated as if it has something to prove because it sort of seems like the prevailing narrative beyond that is how great Georgia is and how you know frankly Ohio State uh, you know seems the opposite based on what went down against Michigan. Do you think that this team is not going to be seen as great if they do lose to Ohio State? Do you think that would change anything? I think it makes them – let me be careful I would say this. I think if Georgia were to win the national championship last year, go to the playoff, and lose, it makes them just another national champion. There's no, and Listen, there is nothing wrong with being just another national champion, but what you have available to you is a level of history that puts you on such a high shelf – it may be a long time before anybody gets there. So it doesn't make you bad if you lose. It just makes you common. Whereas if you win and you go there, you are extraordinarily rare. That This is one of those things where you're not playing to avoid pain. You're playing to sort of seek a, a level of pleasure that most players will never get the chance to, to, to enjoy. That's what this is really about. Are you just like most national champions? Because, Connor, since 2014, most national champs in this era have made the playoff the following year. Georgia's actually kind of following in the footsteps of doing that. But to now win it for a second year, then all of a sudden you're talking about a true empire, dynasty, however you want to describe it. You're talking about something that's just a little bit more rare than that. Right, but I, I think that's maybe more of a reflection of the Georgia program as a whole and not just the accomplishments of this 2022 team. Uh, and I think what, what we've seen from this team so far, I do think they're unquestionably great. And, and sure, they may not have you know the draft prospects and star power, but I mean, they had a Heisman Trophy finalist in Stetson Bennett, who, you know again, his story is well told at this point. It'll be well told once again this week. Uh, you've got Chris Smith, a guy who I think a lot of Georgia fans thought was a good player coming this year. No one had him as, an un- as a unanimous All-American first-team safety, and that's sort of who he's become. And so, you know, I understand, you know, people out there wanting to use the stupidest term in media, rat poison, and say, oh, you know, don't talk about how great Georgia is. And the reality is this team is 13-0 against an, all- against an SEC schedule and went out there and beat all but one team by double digits. They've earned the right to be here, and, and this idea that they have to sit there and hear about the one shortcoming they had in a half where they were up by four touchdowns, I, I just think that's a little unfair to what these guys have done and to frame it in that sort of juxtaposition. There are other ways to talk about this team without just focusing on one half of a game that they were up by three touchdowns. No, I think that's fair. And you mentioned Christopher Smith, and I said this before you joined us, which is that, listen, I'm a fan of Chris Smith, and even I have continually underrated him. I got to know him a little bit as a recruit. I don't know that Connor I ever necessarily had him being a multi-year starter for Georgia the way he's turned out to be, and to say nothing of the fact that he's an All-American here right now. And even coming back after last year, 
I don't know that I fully appreciated the fact that he would kind of take on the sort of intangible feel that so many of the great players on the 2021 roster kind of had, that Smith has kind of become a 2022 version of that. I love Chris. I've always enjoyed rooting for him, and even I have probably shortchanged him now more than once. It's really amazing the kind of player that he's become even with people like me who'd be inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt, even with me at times showing some skepticism, it's just kind of amazing of the player that he's become. And frankly, now how pivotal I view him to be going in a game like this, where if it is somewhat close as I expected to be, uh, playmakers are magnified and Smith has just proven to be one of those playmakers. Yeah. Let's take into consideration if Chris Smith were a recruit right now coming out of Hateville charter, Georgia's probably not recruiting him. Uh, you know, given his size and speed measurables and what he does. And the fact that he's turned into, based on resume, the best safety of the Kirby Smart era, and that's probably the best safety maybe the history of Georgia football, I think just speaks to what is between the ears and eyes for him. Uh, he's an incredibly talented player, obviously, you know, doing the most with what his body can physically allow. But, look, Georgia's played two big games in the stadium already that they'll play on Saturday. He had an interception against Oregon. He had an interception against LSU. He returned the fumble for a touchdown against LSU as well. He had an interception in the national championship game last year, had the pick six against Clemson. This guy's made big plays in every big game he's been in, and and that's just not what defines him as well. He's great every single Saturday. And really, I think if if you're looking for a guy who's probably the face of this Georgia team this season – and when we take the 10,000-foot view from it, it probably is Chris Smith, a guy who, you know, maybe not as rawly talented as a Lewis scene, but got every little bit of drip out of the towel and into the bucket and has made himself into a, a unquestionably great player. And I think this Georgia team is an unquestionably great team. Uh, Kevin Wilson's going to leave and become Tulsa head coach when the CFP is done, but he is Ohio State offensive coordinator for right now. What did you make of the talk from the Buckeyes offense here today? Yeah, I, I think they're ready to go out and show that what happened against Michigan was an aberration and not who they are. Uh, you know, Ryan Day also does, I would point out, hold a pretty big hand in play calling and offensive structure. He's still very involved in that side of the ball. Um, you know, CJ Stroud, there's a lot of pressure on him in this game. You know, yeah. there's maybe a little bit of narrative around there around him. You know, he's great when things are nice, but when things break down, when he doesn't have great protection. Um, maybe he struggles a little bit and you're able to get him off the spot. Georgia's going to try to do that. Uh, this set of receivers is really talented. Obviously, Georgia's seen good receivers throughout the course of the season, but Marvin Harrison and Amejo Buka are two very talented guys. You know, Julian Fleming was the number one wide receiver root consensus in the 2020 recruiting class, and he's sort of their third receiver on this team. It speaks to the talent that they have in that room. And look, you know, yeah, Georgia played really well uh, throughout times this season, but if they don't bring their A game against this Ohio State team, I think this offense is certainly capable of making things difficult. So guys up front like a Jalen Carter, like a Zion Lowe, a Michael Williams, they're going to need to have a strong game because I think we've seen with this Georgia defense now, while they do a lot of stuff well, getting pressure off the edge from that outside linebacker spot is just something they haven't done well since Nolan Smith went down. And when you have to face the offensive tackles that Ohio State has, that's not going to be all that easy either. So I think you really need to be creative in where you bring pressure from. But for a guy like Javon Boyd to be very active as a blitzer in the pass rush, we saw that against Tennessee. I think that's something you're going to see once again against Ohio State. And then how successfully is Jalen Carter able to create havoc from the middle of that line? That's sort of how I think Georgia Best goes about stopping this Ohio State offense. Creative blitzes with guys like J- with Javon Bullard, maybe a Javon Dubas Johnson, and then obviously Jalen Carter just winning those one-on-one or one-on-two matchups. I want to squeeze in one final thing before we let you go, and then 
in addition to this, you can kind of tell me anything else you've seen, but we made a very big deal about a very short video a little earlier, Lad McConkie getting off the bus, I guess, yesterday when they went to the College Ball uh, Hall of Fame. Seemed to be walking okay. Kirby didn't have much to say about McConkie or McClendon yesterday. We'll obviously see a lot of this on Wednesday because practice will be open, at least a period of it will be. It's very hard to keep a lot of things secret during a traditional bowl week, and that's what this is kind of going to be this week. What do you think about the current status of McConkie, McClendon, uh, kind of how this is going to play out over the course of the next couple of days. Yeah, I think they're both going to start and play. I think they're both full go. And, you, you know, I mean, Warren's dealing with an MCL injury, but that's been pretty common. Amarius Mims had one earlier this season, and he only missed one week and was coming back. So I expect him to be fine. You know, Ladd, he's been dealing with this injury sort of off and on throughout the season, and it's just sort of a pain tolerance thing. It got hit. He landed on it the wrong way against LSU, and it sort of flared it up once again in the middle of the game for the first time. And you've heard throughout the season, Georgia, talking about managing Ladd's workload throughout practice. I think that's sort of what Kirby was alluding to. And so they're going to try and use him the best in most ways they can. But they know, you know, if that knee takes a funny hit or if it lands funny, if it gets, if it, if it plays up in the middle of a game again, you're probably going to see what you saw against LSU. But I expect him to start. I expect him to be the first wide receiver out there, and I expect him to be very involved in the game plan as much as Georgia will allow him to do so. Anything else from having been in downtown the last couple of days uh, that you want to make our audience aware of? Yeah, I think there's a real excitement sort of building for this game. You know, last year, I don't think there was the same level of excitement or positivity around Georgia's game against Michigan, and I I think this time there's a sort of quasi-national championship type feel to it, given these two programs and where they've been in recent years. So I, I think there's going to be real excitement, even from the Ohio State side. I know we've talked a little bit about you know, how up for this game are they going to be. I think by the time Saturday rolls around, a lot of their fans will have talked themselves into it. And as long as they didn't you know, book a flight on a directionally named airline, I think they should be able to get down here and have a uh, – have an exciting game to watch on Saturday. By the way, I'm nervous about that for L.A. I hope that all gets cleared up by the time we get to uh, Los Angeles. Well, I, I mean, again, you know, as long as you're not flying a directionally named airline, I think you should be okay. And if there's a specific Atlanta-based airline you're flying, again, I feel like we should be okay for that. I may or may not have a flight booked on the airline in question, oh, no, unfortunately. BA. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Connor, good stuff. Thanks for being with us. We'll look forward to reading a bunch of your coverage throughout the week, and I'm sure we'll see you on video again before it's all said and done as well. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Of course, no putting the cart before the horse when it comes to a possible trip to a Los Angeles the National Championship, but I may or may not be a little bit concerned about my travel arrangements as they stand right now. That is, though, a different conversation for a different time if you've been following the news. Uh, we're going to follow uh, the news with Jake Fromm here coming in a moment. We'll talk to the former Georgia quarterback. There is a specific question I want to ask Jake about the Ohio State offense. We're going to do that with him coming up in a moment before that though let's go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean one of our great commenters is a guy named scott harris scott's been a part of our video stuff for a long time he shares his thoughts as a lot of folks do in our live chat comment sections on across all of our video platforms scott was telling us a little earlier that he did just like i did gave the gift of a royal caribbean cruise here during this holiday season he had a very clever way that he did that kind of a puzzle you put together that revealed to his kids they're all going on a cruise together perfect day coco k picture there with that and that's a really fun thing i told you yesterday we kind of revealed to my mom that me my wife my kids my brother his wife their kids we're all going to go with my mom on a royal caribbean cruise vacation coming up in june so 
it's always fun to see the joy that Royal Caribbean provides through fresh eyes, meaning that, hey, listen, y'all know I, I've been on Royal Caribbean cruise vacations. I got a couple coming up here over the course of the next few months, including one with all of you on board our Dog Nation cruise. And yet when you're able to give this gift to somebody else, you see how excited they get about all the fun things that are going on with something like this. So I hope you get that experience one day yourself to give the gift of a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation to someone, or maybe even someone will give you one which would be a really good thing there as well. So check out RoyalDogs.com. That's a website that a great travel agent named Jessica Slater has put together, RoyalDogs.com. You can see all the information about the Dog Nation cruise coming up in April. And that's going to be a fun one. April the 24th through the 28th, going to Nassau in the Bahamas, Perfect Day, Coco Cay, the private island exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Of course, leaving out of Port Canaveral on board Independence of the Seas. Going to be a great experience. You can also call Jessica directly, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147, and you can check out all of that today. All right, if you want to, let's bring the music down here a little bit because we're going to kind of shift our normal content for our uh, SEC through, and I want to actually take a moment to hear a little bit from Ohio State coach Ryan Day, who uh, met with reporters yesterday and obviously looking at the perspective of Georgia now if you want to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page I'm sure you can see the entirety of the Ryan Day interview we don't have time to play all of it for you here right now but I do want to give you some of it here as we're kind of cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean we're kind of we're cheating on the format here a little bit but but nonetheless this is our best way to kind of squeeze this in including something that Kirby Smart has talked about a lot you know CJ Stroud is a player that Georgia recruited uh, you can look up and down Paris Johnson Jr. an offensive lineman that Georgia recruited you can look up and down the Ohio State roster and you'll recognize names of former recruiting targets of UGA and for Ohio State when they look at the Georgia roster they see plenty of examples of that too how about kind of those sort of cross I, I guess you know the way in which these two programs cross paths in recruiting the recognizable names on both sides ryan day talked about that yesterday as a storyline for this game the fact they have battled in recruiting so much and now they'll be battling on the field here's day on that topic well it's a small world football is, is a, um, a small world um you know now even more than ever you know you end up recruiting guys and then you end up um you know, having uh, played against them or even have them come back in, in, you know, the transfer portal. You know, there's just, uh, there's only so many players out there and there's, there's only so many people typically that fit your profile too. And so, you know, it's, we run in small circles and well, we know a lot of the people who play at Georgia, we know their families, uh, but that's, that's similar to a lot of the teams we play. Um, and, you know, now with travel and the way that recruiting goes, you know, you you're in touch with a lot of people. You recruit a lot of people, and and they've done an excellent job of recruiting. And they have a lot of really good football players on that side of the ball, or on, on um, in all three phases. Um, you know, at Georgia and, and Kirby's done a good job of recruiting. So uh, we know those uh, those guys. We know how talented they are, and, and obviously how well they're coached. So uh, we know the challenge ahead of us. But uh, but to your question, you know, we're we're kind of used to playing against guys that we know about and um, that we've recruited against. I understand why Ryan Day is saying what he says there. You just sort of say whatever you need to to get through a press conference. I get that. But the final statement he makes there really isn't true. The idea that, oh, yeah, we play against uh, players all the time that we've recruited. Now, in some form or fashion, that's kind of true. But the idea that there's so many Ohio State-level recruits on the other side of the field, frankly, that's not something that Ohio State's used to, playing a team that has so many different players that would have been good enough to earn a scholarship from that program. And conversely, the same thing is true about Georgia as well. For the most part, Georgia goes through an entire season without really playing 
too many teams that have too many players who are good enough to play at UGA. That's why Georgia wins blowout games. That's why Ohio State wins a lot of blowout games, because for the most part, they overwhelm their opponents with their talent advantage. And yet in this game, even though we would say that Georgia is favored for a reason, justifiably probably the better team on paper, it is still not an overwhelming talent advantage if you use recruiting rankings and things like that as the basis for your opinion that this is, between these two teams, kind of a fair fight. And you don't see a lot of fair fights in college football, but this is certainly one of those. And that's what makes the feel of this game a little bit different than almost any other potential CFP matchup you could have. Georgia, Ohio State just had a little bit different feel to it because of that. And then to go a little bit deeper into the subject of Georgia, you know, no pun intended, on the idea of all that recruiting success, the kind of depth that creates for Georgia at a number of position groups. Once again, Ryan Day, pretty complimentary of the dogs. Here is Day again. Yeah, well, they've done a great job recruiting and have depth um, at so many positions. And so I know one of their, um, was something they take a lot of pride in is playing uh, well, a lot of depth, um, you know, in, in, in offense and defense. You know, I think. Like you said, there's there's guys who roll in the in the, the front. There's guys who roll in the back end. Multiple running backs, multiple wide receivers. Um, so, uh, you know, that's when you're playing against a really good team who plays with a lot of depth and is recruited really well. That's that's one of the the things you have to uh, prepare for. Um, and what does that mean? Well, you just have to you know know that you're not going to just hone in on one or two guys. You got to uh, be aware of more than one of those guys. And um, you know that's a sign of a good team. So obviously Ryan Day sees a lot to like when he looks at the Georgia Bulldogs, and I'm sure Kirby Smart feels the same way when he looks at Ohio State. Uh, the, 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 the feeling I have about this game really has not changed very much from where I was when this game was first announced because of the fact that the two programs have such a similar feel and the fact that Ohio State stacks depth. Now they do a lot of it at the wide receiver spot and you know quarterback spot and things like that. Georgia has kind of stacked its depth in slightly a different way, but the overall feel of these big macro programs who are always seemingly adjacent to each other in the on-field rankings, AP poll, CFP poll, uh, coaches poll, always adjacent seemingly to each other in the recruiting rankings, you know, one team's you know number one one team's number two they're almost always in the top three you know something you know along those lines there on that because of that because of that it just makes the game on the field between these two teams just feel so significant the fact that um that these two big powerful programs are about to battle head to head and obviously both coaches find a lot to compliment each other on so interesting to hear that as we're cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean at least a version of that hearing from ohio state coach uh, ryan day right there now here on dog nation daily want to get ready to do our kroger fresh take and talk to the former georgia quarterback jake Fromm here for a moment jake uh thanks for being a part of the show uh, happy holidays merry christmas to you hope you've enjoyed it and uh, we're happy to talk a little bit of football with you here right now Hey, Brian, what's going on? Thank you for having me. Merry Christmas. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, yeah, man, let's have some fun. So I want to ask you a question, and listen, obviously you're not watching Ohio State game film all the time. I totally understand. They don't have time to. You're busy getting ready for your own you know, football career there with the Washington Commanders. But I am curious, as a quarterback, something you may have noticed. Um, yesterday we kind of had the conversation around here of, hey, when Georgia faced a high-powered offense this year in, uh, in, in Tennessee, Georgia shut it down really well. 
And yet with Ohio State, it's kind of a similar type of situation. Really good quarterback in C.J. Stroud, very good wide receivers. And yet schematically, you know, we're kind of led to believe that these two teams are a little bit different. So to the extent that, that you know, you've had a chance to kind of observe Tennessee or observe Ohio State, like what do you see as kind of similarities and differences between these two teams? And how much confidence do you think a Georgia fan should take from the fact that, hey, Georgia handled Tennessee pretty well a little earlier, and now it's trying to do the same thing against Ohio State? What is similar, what is different about these two teams in your mind? I, to me, I think there's a lot more similarities than there are differences. Uh, both quarterbacks playing really well uh, are really good football players, um, and they have uh, skill position rooms that can compete with anybody, if not better than anybody in the country. So um, I, I think they're a lot more likely they are different. Um, I, I think the plan that Kirby and the defense had going into the Tennessee game, uh, not only did they have a great plan, but they executed on that plan too. Um, and so that's what it's going to take uh, for the guys to be successful uh, coming up here. Uh, they're going to put together a very similar plan. But Ohio State knows that as well. So they're going to have a few different wrinkles involved. Um, but, man, it's just about executing on the plan. Um, and I, they have a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth after uh, that LSU game where they gave up more points than I know they wanted to. So uh, they're going to be looking uh, to come out and be aggressive. I am not an X's and O's expert. I don't pretend to be. I had somebody that's smart, though, yesterday tell me something that if you look at Ohio State compared to Tennessee, you know, with Tennessee, it seems like their big operating principle is they just want to play so fast that they are lining up and snapping the ball before you have a chance to get lined up, and that's kind of how they exploit you. And yet on Ohio State side is they do far more pre-snap motion. It's almost like Tennessee doesn't have time for pre-snap motion because they're trying to snap the ball as quick as they possibly can. But for a team like Ohio State, they do want to play that game pre-snap, which what somebody told me was – that's going to put way more pressure on your coverage guys, safeties, nickelback, corners, to obviously you know be in the right spot and and be you know really kind of short up because Ohio State's trying to move around before the snap to kind of get you in a position that you're not comfortable with. If you've kind of seen some version of that, would you mind talking a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, I just just basic schematics here. It's it's a lot of eye candy that the offense is trying to get the defense. It makes the coaches coach harder during the week, more possibilities. Uh, within their scheme where they have to account for uh, for this and for that. And if he motions here and then there's a, a quick or a fast or a jet motion this way. So uh, it just it, there's a lot more of, of coaching involved during the week um, to allow for all these different possibilities. Um, and then what you do is you get some, uh, a safety, a DB, a corner, or a linebacker who, uh, who loses his eye discipline, gets in the wrong gap, looking at the wrong receiver, uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, they use their speed to exploit you, and then all of a sudden you just uh, you just gave up a big one because uh, mentally uh, and with your eyes you were out of place um, before the play even started. So that, that's what they're going to try to do, um, and then just going to have to be able to kind of coach around that uh, during the week and then uh, make adjustments on game day. Kirby Smart talked yesterday about the familiarity with the play clock and the scoreboard, things like that, because Georgia's played here before. Obviously, Ohio State now gets a chance to practice here. As a quarterback, how much for you, when you kind of enter into a stadium for the first time, are you looking around at things like that? I can tell you as like a media person, I'm always trying to find, trying to figure out where like the down and distance is and like where like the play clock is and stuff like that, because every stadium does kind of configure that kind of stuff differently with these sort of fancy boards they all have now. As a quarterback yourself, how much were you kind of looking around and trying to figure out Hey, where's my field of vision going to be when I'm playing here in a stadium like this? As a as a quarterback yourself, how much does that matter? One hundred percent. That's one of the first things you do when you walk out uh, to walk around the field, 
Uh, I believe they do like a walkthrough the day before. So it's one of the first things you look at. Hey, where's the play clock? Uh, hey, where's the scoreboard? Where's the game clock? And uh, man, you just just checking off your 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 boxes, your list that you have, uh, things you got to get familiar with. Um, obviously, uh, with some familiarity there, the dogs have of playing there with Stetson playing there. He's got success there. So that is something that can uh, kind of be breezed by. Uh, and then you could be working on focusing on some other things uh, that may be a, a slight, little bit more important. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that plays a, a huge factor in the game, uh, especially uh, for quarterbacks. I know you're a baseball player. There's the idea of the batter's eye, and, you know, you want to be able to see that pitch coming out of the uh, the pitcher's hand. In basketball, I don't know if you're much of a college basketball fan, but for a long time there was this thought of teams don't shoot as well in dome stadiums because it's a very different backdrop when you look at the goal than you typically see other places. Some of that's probably overblown, but that's kind of one of the things that college basketball players have said for a long time. How about as a quarterback, when you, you know, see a stadium that kind of has – they sort of have a glass end on one side of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Is there a difference in kind of the backdrop of you know what the stadium looks like in terms of how easily you see the receivers and how easily you see the oncoming defensive players is, is there something to how visually a stadium can kind of uh, change the way that you see the the action there on the field as a quarterback yes yeah, so I, I think you had some great examples there I think with the, the glass uh, backdrop I, I think in my opinion that's reaching just a little bit however um, take uh, Kentucky for example uh, when you play there and on the road, everything's blue. When they wear their blue jerseys, everything's blue. So, um, and in their end zone, they, they have it painted blue. So yeah. when you're doing um, kind of some red zone stuff, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, where'd that safety go? I don't know where he's at because everything's blue. Now there's, there's some, uh, you know, something to something like that. Um, and then maybe we can kind of talk about getting some argument about maybe a crown of the field. Some some fields are crowned more than others, yeah. uh, throwing deep toe balls and, and nines and that kind of thing. But uh, I, I mean, I think the guys, they've played there a bunch. Uh, they, they know what it's about. Now, that turf and that surface, that turf's going to play faster, uh, which is why you see uh, a lot of points being scored in that stadium because it's a little bit, a little bit of a faster turf. One final question for you coming up. Before that, let me, let me remind folks, is our Kroger Fresh Take with former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm here on Dog Nation Daily. And, of course, we appreciate our friends at Kroger for the stuff they have going for us all year long, including as we head towards the new year. How about the fun with Kroger Chef Junior uh, uh, coming up once again? That's a great guided kids cooking experience that you can enjoy with your children. It kind of gets them acquainted with how food is prepared, but it also gets them tasting some good and healthy foods for them. And in 2023, some great opportunities for you to do that. You can go to KrogerChefJunior.com to find out more about this. It's the word Junior spelled out. J-U-N-I-O-R Kroger Chef Jr. to find out more about this including coming up on January 7th and the 21st here this month how about a dumpling sandwich that sounds really good uh, the uh, experience is a 30 minute guided kids cooking experience they make the food item they also come away with some really good stuff like uh, an apron patch chef's hat a recipe card and box and the dumpling maker it's just $7 per child so go, go to KrogerChefJr.com for more on that that is KrogerChefJr.com for more on that today alright Jake we'll finish with this this is the last time you and I will talk before this big game on Saturday. How do you feel about the Dogs' chances to come away with the win? Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I I feel really good about it. I feel like it's going to be uh, very similar to the Tennessee game. Um, it's going to be a lot like a home field environment for the guys. Uh, I know the fans will be there, uh, so it'll be loud. Kind of gets uh, Ohio State maybe not quite as comfortable as it should be on a neutral site field. Um, and I think Kirby's going to put together a great plan. Uh, the offense is obviously rolling there in the last game. I think they will continue with that momentum with that success um and so uh for me i think it's gonna be very similar to the outcome of the score of the tennessee game i think it being uh around 30-ish points 
Uh, I think Ohio State gets anywhere between 13, uh, maybe 17 points. So uh, let's go uh, 30. So uh, 34-17, I like it. I like it, Jake. That's good stuff. Thank you so much. Uh, Happy holidays. Happy New Year to you. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again here very soon. Hey, Brandon. Thank you, guys. Good Good stuff there. Jake Fromm, a part of our Kroger Fresh Take with the former Georgia quarterback. 34-17, his pick for how this game's going to play out. So that is really good stuff. And interesting to hear his thoughts on – because I do think some of this is sort of a logistics issue, right, about how the – you know the stadium feels how it looks your comfort in that jake saying hey when i'm going into a stadium that's the first thing i'm trying to figure out and as a quarterback you understand why that's the case but also some of that breakdown with what you see offensively from ohio state tennessee interesting to hear jake say even though schematically they may be a good bit different that from jake's perspective it's probably more similar than not pretty good breakdown there from him on that there too so for our golden shoe today we're gonna do things a little bit different here obviously we are go for two and 22 like always but when we get a chance to kind of show you some of the sights and sounds from bowl week, we want to do that here a little bit too. So for those of you on video, we will show you here a little bit of Georgia making that appearance yesterday at the College Football Hall of Fame. And if you're listening to radio podcasts, I'll try to describe this to you a little bit. So they're walking in there. I, I told you before, I love the playoff like track suits, windsuits, whatever you're calling them, they wear this time of year because they got this, you know the special Peach Bowl logo on there that looks good. I don't see the diamond uh, Nike swoosh like I like, but uh, nonetheless, that's good stuff. Being greeted by the Peach Bowl mascot, not quite sure what sort of creature that's supposed to be, but uh, nonetheless, uh, that's pretty fun. And then just getting a chance to walk around the College Bowl Hall of Fame, something these guys may not have gotten a chance to do before. There's obviously plenty of Georgia paraphernalia on hands there, and they're uh, clearly enjoying a lot of that. By the way, you see Gunnar Stockton walking right there in the center of your screen. Uh, so a lot of Georgia players having a good time and enjoying themselves there with the uh, college football playoff and uh, enjoying the uh, college football Hall of Fame. So great stuff. Golden shoe to be had there on that. Now, let me tell you who's not walking around the college football Hall of Fame. And let me tell you who's not basking in the glory of a wonderful season right now. That is those lousy, stinking Gators. And they got more bad news coming their way. 305 days from right now 305 is the area code down in south florida and whatever gators fans live down there around miami guess what they know there's bad news coming here uh in jacksonville up in the north part of the state uh 305 days from right now that is our gator hater countdown y'all we're gonna be on live video this afternoon around 2 p.m we're gonna do a go for two and 22 special kind of updating you on the ongoing preparations for the uh, peach bowl so we'll do that this afternoon and we'll see you tomorrow uh like just like always for dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then and on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We're presented, of course, by R.S. Andrews. We appreciate them being a part of the program and appreciate you sticking around at the end of the podcast to hear this there as well. A couple of comments I want to read. First from our buddy Nathaniel Long on Twitter, who writes in that on Christmas Day, Georgia left tackle Broderick Jones led 20 plus friends and family members in giving out socks, blankets and many personal care items during the first annual Broderick Jones Helps the Homeless event in Atlanta's West End near local shelters. And obviously, this is uh, one of those things where we've talked about before of just how cool that it is that so many Georgia players are using their platform to make a positive impact in the world in which they live. And I just am proud of that. And you you saw Michael Morris do this the other day. You've seen Jalen Carter kind of do his version of that. There's just been some of that really special stuff going on and it just makes Georgia incredibly easy to root for. So I appreciate Nat sharing that with us. And uh, that's just a really, really good thing. And congratulations to Broderick Jones for, for being more than just a good football player, but a great member of his community too. Broderick, that's awesome to see. Doggy writes in to say that there's a lot of pressure on Kirby uh, beginning. He says he's got to turn the offense over to Munkin and Bennett. Kirby's going to have to focus on stopping uh, Ohio State a half dozen times and letting the offense win this game. 
here's what I will kind of say in response to that. I've been thinking about this a little bit, that in a game that you expect to be close and whether you do or not, the odds makers expect it to be a one score game. If this is a one score game, then every coaching decision is magnified in a way that it's not in the other kinds of games, that it's not just who you have on the field and how well developed those players are. It's how you choose to use those players during the game that will matter too. So Todd Munkin, yes, he will have the potential of having an outsized impact in a game like this. The kind of buttons that he push pushes to create opportunities for Georgia playmakers and the points that he scores, that will matter. And finding a way to get, I don't mind the way that Doggy kind of thinks about this, a certain number of stops against Ohio State. You know, it's like oftentimes you think of defense as preventing something from happening, but if you can put a sort of a zero in the column for Ohio State offensively, it's almost like you're making something happen right there. If you do that enough times, then all of a sudden you've created a greater opportunity for yourself to win the game. I think that's kind of a clever way of kind of looking at that. So overall, I think that the point about coaching is probably an accurate one, that, that hey, the Georgia offensive coaches, the Georgia defensive coaches, and we kind of think about Kirby's kind of being sort of maybe a foot in both sides, but maybe more so on the defensive side, the job of coaches will be magnified in a game that we expect to be a little bit closer and you at least have to be on guard from the perspective of the uh, odds makers that this one could be indeed uh, a little closer than most of what Georgia's played over the course of the last couple of years so great comments we always welcome yours either the comment section at dognation.com or on twitter at dognation daily to all of you thank you so much for being a part of the show hope you're getting excited about the game coming up on saturday thanks to rs andrews for making this part of the show possible of course check him out online rsandrews.com if your water heater goes out in many cases rs andrews can replace it for you the same day so just find them online at rsandrews.com they can also take care of that heating system get it turned tuned back up to factory fresh specs for you they can do a lot of good things so make sure you find them today at rsandrews.com you'll have a great day and we will see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by engineered solutions of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then